judging by Chris Christie's physical stature, he could drink a lot of that milkshake if he wanted to. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. At 612 on Wisconsin's Morning News, former Vice President Mike Pence entering the GOP race for the nomination for president that this morning. And former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie is in the race as well. And a cable news anchor already apologizing for essentially calling him fat. I intend to seek the Republican nomination for President of the United States in 2024, and I want your support. That's Christie announcing his run at a town hall in New Hampshire Tuesday, but probably more talked about on social media this morning was the take from Fox News anchor John Roberts earlier in the day. Roberts is talking about the Republican Party and drawing some sort of milkshake analogy here, and then he just can't help himself. It's like you have two milkshakes, right? The Republican Party is two milkshakes. And, and, and this one, representing almost half the party, because that's what the polling shows, has got one straw in it, and that's Donald Trump's straw, right? And the other milkshake, which represents the non-Donald Trump part of the Republican Party, has how many straws in it now? And now we're going to have Chris Christie's straw right. there. And judging by Chris Christie's physical stature, he could drink a lot of that milkshake if he wanted to. And you can hear when he's talking milkshakes, everybody's snickering because they kind of knew where he wanted to go. Here we go. So he called him fat. And there was a little bit of chuckling there on the desk. Well, it didn't take Roberts long to wish he hadn't done that. Uh, Hey, before we go on, I I just want to take a moment to address something because I really do feel terrible about it. Er, Earlier on the show, I was making an analogy to describe the Republican voter pool. And I made a comment that I meant to be lighthearted, but immediately realized was hurtful toward Governor Chris Christie. I should not have said what I said. I deeply regret it. And I sincerely apologize to the governor. You know who's not sorry? Former President Trump. Right. (laughs) Who has no problem at all piling on. What did he do? He put up a picture of they on his Truth Social. There's a video of uh, of Christie giving his announcement. Right? Yes, in front of a buffet table. They so they, <laughs> they doctored up the video. A buffet table. It looks like he's holding and a plate of food. Has a platter <laughs> like, of food. What are you doing? This is just <laughs> acceptable behavior now. And that's what the president put on there. Here's this. How many times did Chris Christie use the word small? Does he have a psychological problem with size? Actually, his speech was small and not very good. It rambled all over the place and nobody had a clue what he was talking about and he's standing in front of a buffet according to (laughs) the the former president wow this race is on and not only am i not the perfect candidate i'm far from the perfect person time for an update from the gruber law offices one call that's all sports desk here's brandon snide after a successful seven game road trip the milwaukee brewers were back at american family field on tuesday facing off with the baltimore oreos with the score notched at three apiece the brewers found themselves in extra innings with joey weimer at the plate one two pitch breaking ball hammered down the left field line this ball is gonna one hop the wall and this game is over Joey Weimer with his second walk-off of the season. And the Brewers third. And they win it 4-3 in 10. Lane Grinnell on the call right here on WTMJ as Weimer walks it off for the 4-3 Brewers win, securing the team's 33rd win of the season. And as Joey Weimer calls it, it's just another day at the office. Just just trying to do my job there. Uh, trying to be accountable. You know, a couple situations throughout the night where I was up with the uh, runner in scoring position. 
didn't do anything. So, um, you know, just trying to trying to keep doing my job. The Brewers will look for win number two against the Orioles tonight. That first pitch is set for six forty. Corbin Burns is expected to be on the mound for the Brew Crew. Over to golf, where some major news of the PGA and Live Golf Series announcing details of a merger on Tuesday afternoon, shaking up the world of sports. Safe to say, not everyone was thrilled about the decision. Some players, believe it or not, not even knowing what was taking place behind the scenes. I talked to a handful of players this morning, uh, a couple before the announcement was made, and it was just complete and utter shock. Uh, Some very colorful language, some very upset players. I had one player tell me, you know, why would we do this now? Live The live tour is dead in the water. It's not working, and now we're going to throw him a life jacket. It's ludicrous. ESPN senior golf writer Mark Schleybaugh there with a, a look at the reaction from the players. And Vinny, you're a golfer. What do we take away from the merger? Well, I just want to know what it looks like because I'm not overly invested in the urination sure. match that is occurring between <laughs> Liv and the PGA. Like That part doesn't interest me. What interests me as a viewer and as a fan is what is it going to look like on my TV? I tried to get into Liv Golf. I can't watch it. There's too much going on there. There's... Different logos and guys play for teams. They're and cutting out. They're cutting out of uh, TV because they don't have the uh, the sponsorship. They're in the middle of a match. And then there's right, and there, there's so much on the screen. <laughs> percentage of makes and this, but bing bong bong. I'm like, <laughs> is there going to be an unspoken tension now? For sure, there's got to be right. Yeah, and I, I don't know how long that will linger. Sure. But for me as the fan, it's just what is this going to look like? We'll see what it looks like. Uh, over to the NBA where the Milwaukee Bucks introduced their 17th head coach in franchise history on Tuesday afternoon, officially ushering in the Adrian Griffin era. Don't don't let anyone tell you from going from assistant coach to head coach. It, it's different responsibilities. You know, you know, you're going to be asked for your input on a lot more things and and you're gonna wear a lot of different hats, but it's been so fun. Like the the Milwaukee uh, organization is first class. They just helped me from day one. You know, I, I feel like I've just hit the ground running. Griffin joined WTMJ's Greg Matzik there for an exclusive one-on-one interview Tuesday. You can check out that full story and interview over on WTMJ.com. Coming up, Prince Harry's problems on the stand. That story next on Wisconsin's Morning News. on Wisconsin's Morning News. Is Prince Harry back on the stand today? Yes. It's got to be late morning, if not early afternoon, right, in London? Here's the Nat sound of him getting out of the car and walking into the building. That's about all we got, right? (laughs) That's my favorite guy. guy Is that a fan or a journalist? (laughs) I think it's just a fan. I just want him look to, at me? I want him to turn What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you want? So as you know, Prince Harry has begun testifying. What? This is that whole phone hacking trial situation. He's back there today. So he and other celebrities are suing the Mirror newspapers over stories that they insist could have been obtained through phone hacking or other illegal means. Now, the Mirror Group has admitted to phone hacking in the past, but insists none of the plaintiffs were ever their targets. Not sure if that's true, but that's what's being discussed. It's for the judge to decide whether or not the Mirror Group newspaper acted unlawfully. They keep using this word UIG, unlawful information gathering. What do they mean by that? Well, phone hacking, listening to live calls, hiring private investigators. Harry's got to prove that they did that, and the Mirror's putting up a very robust defense. A robust defense indeed. Now, Chris Schiff, that's who you just heard there, 
He's a royal correspondent for ITV News. He says it was very hard yesterday not to feel sorry for Harry. He painted a picture of being a very unhappy child at times, a very unhappy adolescence because of the press intrusion that he was constantly having to deal with. Every relationship he ever had, he said, whether that be a friend, a girlfriend, his family, or the army, he said there's always a third party there, there's always a British press. Ultimately, he says that he was a very unhappy person because just of this intrusion. So I think everyone can understand that he probably has been under a microscope his entire life. Well, what do we talk about all the time? Like kids and social media, right? They can't get a break sure. from the bullying or from the constant whatever. They they were decades ahead of that. So here's what's in funny, that sort though. of fishbowl always. So yes, that and that is the case. But like, if you look at some of the headlines and some of the way this is being written about. No one's going for this. The Economist writes, Prince Harry complains again, this time in court. <laughs> That's not a good headline and for Harry. This one, this one made me laugh. So this is uh, one of the columnists who is able to get into the courtroom. For those in the courtroom like me, watching the court feed, it was a fascinating spectacle. Harry has never been seen like this before. Under sustained pressure, being asked to account for himself and his barrage of accusations in the somber confines of a court of law. So, like, under the fluorescent lights of a courtroom, you know, like, it just doesn't have that same feel to it. And he struggled at times. This was serious, formal, and exacting. As for the the lawyer, circling again and again how Harry must have longed for the schmaltzy embrace of an Oprah interview. Now, let's see here. That's right. They did do Oprah. Mm Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, the lawyer would say, so what? So what? Barked at Harry as Harry waffled on some irrelevant point of peeve. <laughs> That's yeah. the columnist, right? It's interesting, though. To your point, like, he's, how have we ever seen Harry like that, right? Any interview he's done has largely been a softball. Any statements made are made on his terms. Harry, a 38-year-old man, often still located his inner Kevin the Teenager with distressing ease. <laughs> hour after hour. Harry, uh, let's see here, was combustible, of, uh, and he became a man of victim and of arrogance over and over again. So then there's this. So it's last going well. Point. Yeah. So apparently, according to this columnist, yeah, it's not because he. The trouble that they have is they have all this evidence, and he hasn't been able to like pinpoint. And he goes, "Well, I don't know how you would have hacked it, but you must have." Here's uh, from this columnist. My favorite exchange of the day was a deeply revealing one over a news item about Harry celebrating his 16th birthday at a gastropub. The prince was convinced that MGN had got hold of the story by illegal methods. Mr. Green, the lawyer, suggested that maybe the celebrity chef who worked at this gastropub may have called the newspaper himself. As the chef, he would have been too busy to make that call, said Harry. The lawyer suggested that he would have other chefs working for him. Well, you know, he's not doing this by himself. I have no idea. I've never worked in a kitchen, said <laughs> no, Prince you Harry. Haven't. Somehow managing to contradict himself, behaved like an entitled snob and made no sense at the same time. Oof. Not so, a good read. Not a good read. We'll see how it goes today, but after five hours, he's getting a little rattled yesterday. on Wisconsin's Morning News, City of Milwaukee reporting a recent case of monkeypox, only you're not supposed to call it monkeypox anymore. It's mpox now, Eric. So really, erase everything that you had with monkeypox. 
Okay. And replace it now with MPOX. More on the why behind that uh, in a moment. First, though, the Milwaukee Health Department reporting close contacts have been notified and an individual with the disease was being isolated, adding to the outbreak of MPOX last year, which lasted longer, I think, both on a national level and here locally than health officials originally thought. Caught everyone by surprise at a time when you wouldn't think some type of virus would catch anyone <laughs> a circulating by surprise. contagious virus, yes. And certainly far, far, far ridiculously less contagious than the flu, than COVID or something sure, like that. Right. It's a different deal. Uh, the city reporting along with that original outbreak, a total of 37 cases uh, ever in Milwaukee. Mpox, a, a virus that causes like a rash, pimples or blisters, can be accompanied by flu-like symptoms. It's spread by close contact, recovery time two to four weeks. I don't believe there are any cases... Um, I don't want to speak out of turn, but this is not something that generally is thought of as life-threatening. Sure. But you also don't want to be spreading it around. No real treatment for it. Health Department states the virus has, quote, primarily spread among social networks of gay, bisexual, and and same-gender-loving men through intimate contact. There is a two-dose vaccine. It's recommended for members of the aforementioned group who may have multiple partners, but anyone can get the vaccine. Anyone can spread it under the right circumstances. So why can't we call it monkeypox anymore? The World Health Organization is leading a transition away from that original terminology. And it's only really loosely the disease is tied to monkeys anymore. In fact, it's more often spread. When we had that original outbreak, what, some 20 years ago in Milwaukee, it was uh, like groundhogs or something like that, right? And so there are other animals that actually more prodigiously spread monkeypox than monkeys. So that's one of the reasons behind it. But the other is... World Health Organization says, following a series of consultations with global experts, WHO will begin using a preferred term, MPOX, as a synonym for monkeypox. Both names will be used simultaneously for a year while they phase out monkeypox. Here's what the WHO says about that. When the outbreak expanded earlier this year, this meaning last year, racist and stigmatizing language online in other settings and in some communities was observed and reported to the WHO. In meetings, public and private, a number of individuals and countries raised concerns and asked the WHO to propose a way forward to change the name. So it did cause me to think and say, I guess it's not for me to say, but like if you heard the term monkeypox and associated that with a race of people or racist ideology, like aren't you the problem? That's on you. <laughs> isn't that, if that's where your brain went, isn't that your problem? Sure, I guess at the same point, like, who cares what they call it? I guess, right? Call it MPOX, fine. (laughs) Makes you all happy. Right. Uh, MPOX it is, and there's a case in Milwaukee right now. 644, Brandon's Got Sports, coming up next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. Joey Weimer hit a game-winning single in the bottom of the 10th inning as the Brewers go on to defeat the Baltimore Orioles by a final score of 4-3. to The Brewers will look for... Win number two against those Oreos tonight. First pitch is set for 640. Corbin Burns is expected to get the start. The Bucs officially introduced Adrian Griffin as the team's 17th head coach in franchise history. Griffin has been an assistant coach around the league since joining Scott Style staff in Milwaukee in 2008 and most recently in Toronto. It's time for Extra Points, a sports opinion commentary on Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's Brendan Snide. 
Life as a Brewers fan so far this season has been pretty good. The Milwaukee Brewers are currently in first place in the National League Central Division while also likely leading the big leagues with the deepest injury list. When general manager Matt Arnold stepped into the shoes of David Stearns, there was no way anyone could have predicted how his first year in the big chair could have played out. Garrett Mitchell, Brandon Woodruff, Eric Lauer, Willie Adamas, to name just a few, have found themselves battling all types of injuries this season, each of them missing multiple games, some going from multiple weeks into months. On the flip side, Julio Turan, Andrew Monasterio, Blake Perkins have all stepped in to play much bigger roles than anyone could have imagined helping keep the crew churning. Senior Vice President and General Manager Matt Arnold, though, to put it simply, he's been magnificent this season, not allowing any injury to affect his team and the expectations he once set forthright when he was first hired. I call it quiet leadership, and it is led by Matt Arnold, who has been steering the winning ship in Milwaukee thus far in only his first season. The excuses are there. If the Brewers wanted, they have every excuse, but they don't, nor will they ever. And it all starts at the top with Matt. Six fifty-one on Wisconsin's Morning News this Wednesday morning. The topic's so important, they're giving it two hours, and they're holding it at one of the largest ballrooms available in the area. Milwaukee Press Club next week hosting a noon hour event called Behind the Headlines, Violent Crime in MKE, Time for Solutions. And on the panel, we'll be there for this important open-to-the-public discussion, our teammate from 1017 The Truth, Dr. Ken Harris. Now, wait a minute. You're also going to be there. I will be one of the moderators. Please attend anyway. I'm trying to figure out who gave them my name. I was trying to be under the radar. Right. <sighs> Probably Vince. I, I did not. <laughs> Vince, not that I wouldn't. Vince. Who else can you think of that would like to be Dr. Ken Harris? <laughs> <laughs> See? <laughs> Misery loves company, right? I will mention also um, on the community panel will be Ashanti Hamilton, Director of Milwaukee Office of Violence Prevention, uh, Aaron Lipsky, Chief of the Milwaukee Fire Department, and the Assistant Chief at Milwaukee Police Department, Nicole Waldner. And then on the media panel, myself, uh, Ashley Lutheran from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and Aaron Maben, uh, anchor reporter at Fox 6 News. Yep. So what you, I'm asking you seriously because I'll mm-hmm. have the first question as sort of leading the moderator panel here. Okay. I have an idea of what I want it to be. What do you think it should be? No idea. My first question is going to be, and I think I'll direct it toward Chief Lipsky, is because Eric and I sit in here and sometimes we take calls and we hear from people on the – Old National Bank talk and text line. When we talk about crime stories, we get a lot of, how mm-hmm. does this affect me? What do you how, mean? How, like, how does this affect me? You have, okay, you can do your list of shootings every day or city crime or all these things. And I think particularly in the suburbs and exurbs, people look at that. How does this affect me? And I'd like Chief Lipsky probably to start out by defining what is the human toll that your first responders see on the streets? Oh, I can tell day. you that. And I know you that's, can. That's a, you, you want me to throw it at you first? That, no. Because <laughs> no. I'll hit it back. Right? It's one of those things where it's hard to explain to people. Uh, there's an there's a they talk about the you know there's a blue line and a blue wall and all that stuff, but that's there to protect us, to protect our feelings, to protect how we feel, the the post traumatic stress. There's one thing to have post-traumatic stress after you retire. There's a whole other thing to be walking around with it while you're actively working. 
And so we see the same firefighters at the same calls with the same shootings and deaths and, and you know, SIDS deaths and all that. It takes a toll. It it literally wears you down. And, in, and unless you find those outlets, those other things to do, that's why I always found it. Well, we have to make sure your your part time work that you're doing because you're full time here. You know, we have to approve it and all that. That's great. But I think everybody should do that. You need somewhere where you can go do something. I have to say, working at Concordia saved me. When you leave, when a, you were still on the job, when you leave a shooting with three people dead in the street, and then you get it, you go home, you take a shower, and you go teach a class. You got off work at eight o'clock. The class is at ten. You know, your mind's right, not there. Yeah. And it was I was able to take my mind off of what I just left and do that. And those are the types of things. That's why firefighters have extra jobs and all those things. So imagine if you live on that street. Right. And you don't have a job or, right. or if you don't work in first responding or whatnot. How can the city I mean, I what is the motivation next week other than outlining what some of the problems are, because I think everyone can figure out what some of the problems are. How do you find a solution that would work? Well, one, you're going to have to put something in the schools. You know, we've got a school board here in Milwaukee that balks at everything and and, and laughed at one of the school board members who said, you know, maybe we need to open up our Friday, have a half a day Thursday or whatever, and then Friday, let's have some kids that need mentoring, kids that need some mental health services, make that that day. You know, make 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 the school day a little longer. Add an hour, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But then Friday, let's let's soften this so that we can start getting them in the right frame of mind. They balked at it. I, the other question that I that I hope to get answered too is, and kind of it relates to my earlier question is, I'm curious to know from some of these others, from Ashanti Hamilton at OVP, from uh, the assistant chief, like. When you hear and read, you know, the media reports of what's happening around, what, like, what would you do if you sit where Eric and I sit and we have to say, which stories are we going to cover every day? Which stories aren't we? Which, you know, would you continue to put all of these stories out there over and over and over again? Because by definition, they're not news if they're not new. No. Every day we could do half a dozen shooting stories. I would not. Every day. I would not. And I don't. And I don't. There are some stories I actively avoid. But, but then do we do we do we not pay it justice like people are, st- you know, like is it doing the city a disservice? Right. By not saying that this is happening. You know what I mean? I think once you said it once, that's enough. Number two, I think you have to go all the way back to 4K and start helping kids understand. And I know people will call and hate me when I say this. I love when that happens. We have to. Yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> um, we have five five. We have to start. Telling people these things in life as a human being are wrong, right? That regardless of what you may think, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, doesn't matter. Having a child before you marry can cause significant harm. Not graduating from high school can cause you to not make any money in life. Like very specific things that we have data that shows it over and over and over and nobody will say it. They, they keep putting Band-Aids on things when, in fact, you could change the Office of Violence Prevention, not by changing violence, but actually changing the family. And, and until we do that, nothing's going to change. And I mean, it's going to affect everybody, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, 
all of the same maladies are present in all the places where all the crime take place in terms of socioeconomic, but we pretend like it's not there. And that's why you're on the panel. 11.30 a.m. on Tuesday at the Hilton Milwaukee City Center, milwaukeepressclub.org, if you want to come see it. Dr. Ken, I'll see you there. All right. Business headlines are up next. Here's the Milwaukee Business Journal's Margaret Notchek. Milwaukee Bucks superstar Giannis Attentacumpo and his brothers are planning to open a retail store at the Trade Hotel near Pfizer Forum, which opened in mid-May. According to a building permit filed with the city of Milwaukee, the $300,000 project would open on the first floor of the hotel. Tua Pasta Milwaukee closes its restaurant at the 100 East Wisconsin building. The restaurant opened in January 2020 and the owners are looking for new locations. Plans move forward for a Chick-fil-A on Milwaukee's south side. The restaurant chain received conditional approval from Milwaukee City Plan Commission to redevelop a lot on Morgan Avenue for a new franchise location. I'm Margaret Notchak with MilwaukeeBusinessJournal.com on News Radio WTMJ.